Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Having today's guest on the show was a no-brainer. She is a hustler in every sense of the word, and impressed is an understatement. Wait until you hear all about Whitney Eckes, how she started her amazing business, and how she became a serial entrepreneur. But before we get into today's episode, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. With a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. This podcast is my twice-weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is really the show that I wanted 13 years ago when I became a female founder. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through your own journey, I invite you to reach out. Simply email me or shoot me a DM on Instagram at Lindsay Pinchuk. And if you're inspired by today's episode, please share it. Simply text it to a friend or share it in your stories on social media. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder, I will absolutely come say hi and I will probably share it too. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left a five-star rating or review as that's how we is that is how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear found her and you can leave a review on any platform where you podcast. So a bit about today's guest. At the vibrant age of 22, Whitney Eckes became the founder and CEO of Eckes, Me- of Eckes Marketing, a creative communications agency based out of San Diego, California. Eckes Marketing, under Whitney's leadership, has elevated brands such as Marriott, Hilton, Red Bull North America, Clearstem Skincare, who you heard here right on the podcast, Kendra Scott, and so many others. And she continues to help brands elevate their business in the digital space. Her work has been featured in Entrepreneur, on ESPN Radio, Forbes, and Modern Luxury. As a serial entrepreneur, Whitney has had her ha- has her hands in five business five businesses today. But the one that is currently shining the brightest is Get Super, which is an instant coffee brand fused with hemp so good you won't believe that it's instant. Whitney's sharp eye for the digital landscape combined with her entrepreneurial spirit makes her the go-to girl you call up when you are ready to dream big. Whether it's digital marketing, a product-based venture, or learning how to juggle multiple businesses, Whitney has the serial influence to get it done. Her brand Get Super has been named the top startup to watch in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. And because she has so much time on her hands, you're going to want to make sure you check out Whitney's podcast. Under the Influence podcast 
is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Make sure you check out my conversation with Whitney on her show, which I've linked in the show notes just for you. So without further ado, please come on in and meet the one, the only, Whitney Eckes. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am so excited about today's guest. And truly, my head was spinning when I was researching her and looking into her because she is a serial entrepreneur and she has multiple businesses and I don't know how she does it all. So Whitney Eckes, welcome to Dear Found Her. Oh, Lindsay, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to hear your story because as I was doing my due diligence and doing my digging, I'm like, well, what came first? How did this come about? Where does this come? I mean, you really, you have, and you have done so much. And I want, I, we need to start first and foremost with your story and what it is you do and how you got here. Absolutely. So my story basically starts with me just being in the marketing space at a very, very young age. Um, I worked with Red Bull and then from there I went into hospitality. I managed a bunch of different properties across the digital marketing space really kind of got over the corporateness and kind of boys club that was the hospitality group, especially being in, you know, managing multiple different owners and different properties and things like that. And I started freelancing under Ekis Marketing and I just started kind of slowly hiring and accumulating clients. Um, And then 2020 happened. We lost about 75% of our hospitality business, which really kind of pushed us into pivoting into the CPG and e-commerce based businesses, which I just fell in love with. Um, Not only because it felt like at that time it was a little bit pandemic proof, but also too, because we were seeing so many different brands really come to light because of the pandemic. Um, And it gave me a lot of experience getting to kind of experiment. So during that time, there was also a lot of downtime. And I was also walking through a really hard mental health diagnosis, which basically I was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder and depression. Um, and I had come from like a long line of mental health issues from my family. And so it really kind of just rocked me in a new way. And I lost, like I said, 75% of the business. And then there was an opportunity to acquire a really awesome hemp infused instant coffee brand. Um, and so I acquired Get Super in 2020. I reformulated it and I decided that it was really going to be my case study for direct to consumer based brands and that I was going to utilize my marketing agency to do everything from the rebrand to the launch to all marketing tactics. And we launched in October of 2021 and it's been amazing since it's been such a journey go moving from a service-based industry to a product-based business. Yeah. And then from there, I'm also an investor. I love investing in brands and startups. Um, I'm operate as a fractional CMO right now for mellow water, which is a canned watermelon water that is delicious and amazing. And I get to advise with them and work with them and they utilize our agency for different marketing services. And yeah, so it's, it's a mouthful, but that's, that's it. You know what? I love what you just said that you we're using get super as a case study because that is so smart. Thank you. I I mean, to, to have that experience and to be doing that for a business that you are benefiting from and growing, but then to have the results to share through your agency is just, I want everyone to like, listen to that and process (laughs) that for a minute, because 
that is such a smart way to go about business. And, and, you know, it's just, it's very self-serving obviously, but it serves both sides of the business equally, but you have these, I guess, two entities, and then you are this fractional CMO, but like, how is it organized? Because yeah. Yeah. How is it all? Oh, it's a lot. So basically the, basically our agency, the only reason why I'm able to do any of this is because of the team, right? So the team has their own operations. Each of our account coordinators navigate their clients and the client relationship and the services of that nature. Um, we have a director of operations that kind of doubles as my executive assistant operations wise, and then overseas, making sure that the team is managing the clients in the right light. If I need to step in strategically, I still do sometimes, but we have a, I mean, we have like a pretty lean roster right now. Like we can't take on too many clients. Um, and so it really kind of acts as a way for me to be able to utilize my strengths, incorporate other businesses into, you know, my strategy and my best practices while still being able to kind of free up my own time. So get super is technically a client of X of Echoes marketing, same thing with Mela and so on and so forth. So but the team is really able to step in and do that. Now, organizational wise, as the founder, I obviously have a lot of help on the Echoes marketing side and then get super is really just been me and a compilation of like some consultants, my marketing team, my boyfriend, and it's still pretty grassroots. I mean, we're really excited. We just launched into Urban Outfitters, which is just so exciting and fun. Um, but outside of that, it's really just kind of taken a grassroots approach and we've basically bootstrapped it since the beginning. So it's, it's at this next point where we're looking at next year and really getting excited about what's to come and what different opportunities are on the horizon. But that's kind of the way it's structured. How do you balance all of this? Because like, I, I can't even imagine what goes through your brain on a daily basis, having to oversee essentially three businesses. And I'm going to include the melon water as, as yeah. one of them, because when you're operating as a CMO, even if it's fractional, yeah, that, that comes with a lot of mental space. So you have these like three hats and mm -hmm. within those hats, you're wearing sub hats too. We all know that everyone yeah. who's listening knows that. So how do you balance all of this? Like, do you organize, do you have a way that you organize your week per entity, like your day? Like, how does this, that work? Yeah. So definitely, I mean, I'm a slave to my calendar and I'm very, very big about my boundaries. Like I definitely need time in the morning. I usually don't accept any calls or do anything until 10 AM. Um, and then same thing with my afternoons. I try to get done with work around four to 5 PM. Um, and then make sure that I have enough time to decompress because there's a lot of decompression that happens, but I'm also really big on building systems. Um, so a lot of my agency operates off our internal systems, off due dates, off deadlines, off KPIs and gross, you know, growth and our agency too, just to kind of give you some context, we don't really, we don't dabble in the performance marketing area. We're strictly creative and brand strategy. So everything from social media management, content creation, photo shoots, influencers, experiential events, like we are very, very, very organic. Um, and in order for us to do that, there had to be this system that was constantly offering value back to the client on top of not just giving them the deliverables, but making sure that we're over communicating, making sure that the clients always know what's going on, making sure the clients know that every single month, again, even though we're not performance-based, we're growing their account, you know, 10 to 20% month over month. So there's a lot of systems. There's a lot of build out. And 
again, the only way that I'm able to kind of balance that is also kind of bringing get super and bringing Mela into that same system, into that same organization and being able to kind of have my team treat me like I'm the client for per those two accounts. So that's kind of how that looks like. And then in terms of just my day-to-day, yeah, it's just calendar blocking. I mean, I don't have like a set day where I'm like doing podcasts or a set day where I'm doing, you know, only Mela stuff. I, there are days that where it happens to happen like that, but there's a lot of flexibility and it's mainly just making sure that you know, I'm able to delegate out, I'm able to do what's like what we talked about, like what's what I'm best at, and then able to really focus on, you know, all the different opportunities. I (laughs) want to dial it back to when you first started Ekis Marketing, because I think a lot of people listening have service-based businesses and they don't necessarily know like where to start. You know what I mean? So you, you said, you know, I started freelancing and then I was hiring people, but like, let's go a little bit deeper on that. Sure. How did this like come about? Did you send an email? Did you tell people, did you take on a client and then grow from there? Like, what was the progression of that? Mm -hmm. Because I just think like, and even when I started Lindsay Pinchuk marketing and consulting, I was like, what do I do? And I just sent an email, you know, but like, you know, and relationships go a long way. We know that, but like, how does one get this off the ground? Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, didn't have like, I didn't have like a ton of relationships. Like I figured out very early on, I'm terrible at sales. Like I'm very, very honest. I'm very transparent. I'm, you know, a little bit self, you know, depraving at times, but I, when I first started out, I was lucky enough when I left the hospitality group that they were like, okay, we're going to give you five accounts for you to manage. And I'm like, great. Awesome. Um, and then I slowly wanted to kind of break out of that. And, you know, I come from San Diego. So I was like looking at like Suja and Kopari and like these badass, super cool, like, you know, girly wellness brands. And I was like, I want to work with them. And, um, one of the first things that I did again, cause I was bad at sales and I was like, I don't even want to call these people. I don't want to cold email. Like I, that, like that just feels weird to me. Um, I hosted a huge influencer event and this was in 2016. 17 or 2018, I think it's 2017. And so basically I had no idea what I was doing. I went to a local like winery and, um, I basically was like, Hey, if I bring in like 150 influencers that will all post about you, will you guys comp, you know, brunch and drinks? And they're like, yeah. So I did that. And then I started reaching out to all these brands. I reached out to soul cycle. I reached out to Suja Kopari, uh, Kula RX bar. Let's see who else I'm trying to think of everyone else. Um, and I was like, I'm hosting this huge influencer event and there's going to be all these badass speakers and you guys should be a part of it and work with me because I'm at marketing and like, we represent all these brands and kind of just loosely like threw that in, in together and pretty not pr- sure enough. I had all these brands wanting to donate all these brands wanting to sponsor. And then I kind of built together a loose influencer list. And then I got these really insane speakers, one of which was Lauren Everett's Bostic. Um, and that was really when she was on this huge rise as a skinny confidential. And then um, let's see who else I got. I got Lena, Lena Harris that opened up the Soul Cycle in San Diego um, and a couple of other like named speakers. And that kind of put me on the map, that event, because I was able to really showcase what I could do. And again, I had this background with Red Bull. So I was able to kind of just really finesse an event very quickly. And 
that was my own first way of marketing myself. And so from there, it, it served as a case study for influencers, for social, for promotion, for marketing, for all these things. And then I got to be able to have this beautiful list of brands that I was working closely with. And now I have an opportunity to work, you know, directly as a client with. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I have a question for you. What if you could achieve Instagram growth and connection with your ideal target customer and your community in just one hour a day? I'm going to get you to a place to make this happen, taking you from Instagram zero to Instagram hero in less time than it takes you to work out and make your morning Starbucks run. You've heard me mention my social media for small business bootcamp class, but due to your asking, I'm making a small pivot. You asked and I'm answering. My upcoming class is now called Instagram for Small Business Bootcamp. Instagram for business does not work like Instagram for personal. And we're going to spend six days together setting you up for success on the gram. Totally focused on Instagram. Plus, as a bonus, you're going to get a webinar and a workshop from me on how to repurpose all of your Instagram content across other social media platforms. So no worries. I've totally got you covered. Instagram for Small Business Bootcamp is for middle-aged female founders who don't consider themselves to be tech-savvy to help them not only use but understand how to use Instagram for your business by building a process that will take you only one hour a day. A lot of you have reached out to share your own Instagram struggle, whether you're overwhelmed by all the features, you can't handle the technical options, or you just don't know where to start for your business. You're paralyzed but I don't want you to spend another minute stuck in the Instagram closet, embarrassed that you can't figure it out. Let's fix it. Let me hold your hand and walk you step-by-step step through my signature class, Instagram for Small Business Bootcamp. We'll get you set up properly, running and understanding how to apply Instagram basics for business growth. And we're going to be doing it together. You're also going to walk away from our class, never ever asking yourself again, those five dreaded words, what should I post today? You'll learn what to post, where, when, and why. We'll make reels and you'll learn some of my favorite and very easy strategies for growth. Does this sound like something you could get on board with? Early bird registration is live. The link is in the show notes and I hope to see you there. The price goes up on April 15th. So I want to, we're going to dissect this a little bit, but it's very yeah. interesting because when we first started this conversation, you told me how Get Super was your case study for your age, you know, you, your agency essentially that for branding and whatnot. And here yeah. you are, you built yourself a case study. That's how you, you built your business. I also can't help but smile at the people who are listening can't and not watching can't see this, but I'm smiling yeah. because the way you started Akis Marketing is how I started Bump Club. You know, yeah. I mean, I just started, I I was like, hey, you want to get in front of a room full of a hundred pregnant women that are yeah. going to consume <laughs> your product? You want, and they started giving me product and then they were sponsoring, you know, I mean, very, very similar tactics. But, yeah. you know, you, you said that you didn't want to cold call businesses mm -hmm. for your business, which you yeah. didn't, but you cold called them to event. be part of your event. And so, and that put you on the map. And I just, I want to bring that to everyone's attention because that was a genius way to market yourself. Yeah, it was. And it was that. And like, I mean, I, I got it. I mean, I was in the hospitality industry and I got hit up by marketing agencies 24 seven. Right. So 
the other, but the one thing that we were always interested in was influencers, especially that back then in that 2017, 2018 phase. And it just, I don't know, it was an easier for me. It just felt like a better pitch to be able to bring that to them. Probably same thing with you. And it, it just, it worked. And so that's how the agency got started. After you have this event, what happens? Like, what is your next step? Like, how do you use this event to then start leveraging actual clients and actual business, actual retainers, actual money? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, number one, it was really interesting because I started lining up calls with like the sponsors and I started lining up calls with all the brands that I originally was like, let's, what are you guys doing? Like, let's talk. And at that time, like looking back at like what my services were and what they are now, obviously it was so loosely put together and it was not as confident or not as presented well as I could do it now. But at that time I was literally talking with them and I was like, what do you guys need? Like, I was like on the phone with like Kula and Suja and I'm like, what do you guys want? Like, who do you work with? Like, tell me what, what do you guys do? And, um, and even other brands, like even smaller brands, I got a lot of restaurant inquiries, um, from that set event because a lot of them wanted me to do something similar. Then I also got a couple and I got a lot of interest too, from brands that were like, well, we want you to do these influencer events and we like at our like space or for this brand. So that kind of started transitioning there. And I got a lot of event event experience. And then as I was doing that, I was really trying to push social media management. So I was also like, well, who's doing social? Like, what are they doing for you for social? Like we could do influencers and events all day, but like, what about social media? And I kept trying to like really work with them. And a lot of the brands too, that I ended up working with, I mean, a lot of them, especially back in those early days, I was like doing shit for free and disc, I was rough, but a lot of them, I started noticing how I was as an entrepreneur in the marketing space and I was so invested and I would get so deep into these brands and I'd give them so much that I started kind of making sure that all the strategies and packages we were doing were customizable in a sense of what was going to work. So Ekis Marketing, a lot of our clients and a lot of our testimonials are that they feel like our team is like an extension of their marketing team because it's not just us offering a $2,000 package or a $10,000 package that's like rigid and like, here's your things. It's very much so like we'll lean into, hey, what's going to work? And this is the hours behind it. And this is the cape. And these are the services we're going to leverage in order to get you to that quote unquote success or, or benchmark. And even now, as like we're looking at next year, a lot of the services that we're like, even kind of entertaining are more along the lines of like, actually team trainings and working directly with the in-house marketing team on these systems and on these best practices, because there are so many different marketing agencies out there that you can kind of pull a trigger on that maybe we'll get the job done. But what we're seeing is that we don't really want to have an expiration date with our clients. We really want them to be able to kind of utilize us and build their team and then come back to us as the consultants or as the experts and, you know, further their marketing basis or education as they continue to grow. You said something that I think is really important that in these calls you were having with the clients, you were asking them, what do you need? Yeah. And I think that's a big miss often, often with a service-based business, because often service-based businesses go in and say, this is what I offer. Yeah. 
And to go in and say, what do you need? And then to meet them there, I think is very smart. And then I also think based on what you were saying and piggybacking on that is the needs changed when COVID happened and you, you and that's what you said in the start of this conversation, you were doing events, you were doing influencer events, you were helping people meet people where they are in a physical space. Mm -hmm. That wasn't happening in Mm -hmm. 2020. So of course that's when get super comes in and you started doing the performance based, you know, more performance and more um, brand awareness for CPG and in the digital space. Mm-hmm. How did those needs change? Yeah, it's so it's actually really funny that you talk about this because we had this one. So where our office was situated is we were right on Petco Park in San Diego, which is the like our MLB stadium. And we were going to do this huge like block party with this one bar that wanted to do an opening day block party. They wanted 933. They wanted over 500 people. They wanted everything. Bud Light. Um, I forget who else, what our other sponsors were. Like there was, it was going to be one of the biggest events of my career. And it was supposed to be right in March of 2020. And so it completely just like, we didn't, it didn't even happen. And um, when that all started changing, one of the things that I did was I kind of buckled down. Um, I didn't pay myself for that entire year. And I leaned into whatever education like we could lean into. Um, We took our clients that we had on hand that were still paying us. We had a couple new clients that were like, well, we're looking at exploring influencers. It's COVID. You know, this thing with TikTok is blowing up. And so we really educated ourselves mainly on Pinterest, mainly on TikTok. And then we also kind of got into email and marketing, email marketing and SMS. And we just kind of started studying the landscape of what was going on in social media and what brands were really like winning it. And I think COVID was actually such a good time for marketers because everyone was siloed. So your consumer education was almost like, was almost echoed in such a way because there were such fast responses from brands and from basically consumer input. And I think that's also too, I mean, that kind of goes to say with like the whole cancel culture that came from 2020, uh, you know, all the education, all the social issues that arose, like there was so much feedback in one container that you could really see what consumers wanted, what was working and what wasn't and how people were buying. And I think again, when we look at when we look at direct to consumer brands, all of that, what there was also this whole huge rise of like the consumer journey. You know, people wanted things easy. They wanted it now. They wanted two day shipping. They didn't want to wait. They were bored as shit. Like, you know what I mean? So like, it was almost like this huge elevation of like all this learning. And like, what we did is we really just kind of like sat back and invested into our team and invested in learning. Like we were taking like Facebook ad classes. We were taking Pinterest ad classes. We were, you know, experimenting on TikTok and doing case studies. Like we were just kind of like, in a sense, looking around at what was going on. I was also building it super. And then I was also taking on some clients that were direct to consumer and I was doing what I would call pilot programs. So for example, Pinterest has become one of our 
most incredible verticals for some of our brands. It's one of the only social media platforms that actually drives traffic traffic off the platform. And it's really easy barrier of entry when it comes to ads, because there's a huge demographic on Pinterest that's not being necessarily taken advantage of. And it's a huge female population that a female is looking for information and or products that have certain reviews on them. So we took one of our skincare brands. They'd been friends with me for a really long time. We were doing influencer marketing with them. And we're like, hey, let me launch this pilot program. Like I have this idea. I was working with this with one of our strategists on our team. And I was like, let me do this. I'm going to cut the rate. Just let just let me do what I want. I want to use you guys as a as kind of a guinea pig. And they're like, yeah. So that went great. Organic social went great. And then I was like, what about ads? Like you guys are spinning ads on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not touching that. You have your ad strategist. I've never touched performance, but what about it? Like, let, let me try. And so we got on the phone with the Pinterest rep and we talked to our clients and they're like, yeah, do it. It's like, great. I'm not going to charge you. I'm going to, I'm going to take this as an investment in my own team, but you'll just pay the ad spend. They're like, go for it. Instantly. I think our first month they maybe, excuse me, maybe not our first month. I think our second month was a $50,000 revenue month. And then after that, it scaled and nearly doubled month over month. I still am really lucky to be working with them because of that, their ability to be flexible and to be open-minded. And they took a chance on a white space opportunity that we saw in the agency. And they were like, let's go. Like, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up just in general about business. Because Mm -hmm. instead of you just going out there and trying to find a client to fill that white space and pay for it, Mm -hmm. you, you did what a good business owner does and you invested into your company to get the case study. And now you have the proof Mm -hmm. to go out and get other clients in that realm. Right. And like you and I talked a little bit about this on your podcast about, you know, uh, about knowing where the information's coming from and hiring people who have the, the who yes. are able to back up the experience and who are able to back up what they're selling. And you have in every aspect of your business that you've just described, you've created that for yourself. You've created yeah. that proof. And that proof is so important to stand out from other agencies and other service providers, period. Yeah. No, and I, and again, I think- looking at it, like in retrospect, like it wasn't the genius in me, Lindsay. It was that I was very, I was, I shouldn't say I was insecure. I didn't have my confidence, like in my business, in my industry and who I was as like a marketer. Right. And so a lot of my, and I deal with this, I, I dealt with a lot of this too. And especially in the early stages of my marketing was that I felt constantly, like I was like that fraud mindset, or I didn't never had enough experience. And the way that I operated is so much different than from how I operate today. But if I didn't have that mindset at the time, if I wasn't so young, cause I was also, I mean, I was 22 when I started the agency. Like I, that's I was, wild. Yeah. I was still like going to bars. Like I was like, so, so young. Um, but if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been kind of naive, naive enough to be like, well, I'm going to invest in this case study or I'm, you know, I'm kind of young and ballsy at the point where I was doing things a little bit differently. And so, yeah, so that was, that was one of the things. But don't you think that different is when you do things differently, that's what leads to success. Oh yeah. And you didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time either, but in hindsight, now you know it. Mm -hmm. And now you're able to trust your gut a little bit more 
oh, when yeah. it comes to doing things differently and giving things a try. Oh yeah. No. And I, I think now, like, I mean, we're even looking at TikTok and we're like, what are, what are some ways like that we can learn and grow from TikTok? Anyway, all of that to say is I think that especially being in the marketing industry and being as in social media, if you're not curious, if you're not an early adopter, if you're not someone that's, you know, fascinated, which I'm sure you've built your community. I'm sure you were exactly the same way of what, what ticks people and what works and what doesn't it, it doesn't, it gets stagnant. And I think that's also something too, with the agency that we've seen is like, we constantly are evolving. We're constantly pivoting. We're constantly moving because our service packages are so custom. And it's not like, we don't want that expiration date. Like our, some of our clients have been with us for two, three years and we're only five years old. So, yeah. I want to ask you something, because you said at the beginning of our conversation, you were talking about your mental health diagnosis. And mm -hmm. I think that mental health is such an under-discussed topic when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to especially female founders. I don't think people talk about it enough. Yeah. Um, I love we, our mutual connection is Scout Sobel, and she talks about it all the time. And I commend her for it all the time because I think that talking about it is important because so yes. many people don't talk about it or are embarrassed or, yep. you know, and so I want to bring this up because I think it's important. You said it right off the bat. How do you take care of your mind? How do you take care of your mental health? Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's not, it's, it's nothing. It's not like I have these five practices and it's always fine, you know, or it's like, I can control it. There's days where I feel like I'm a complete mess and I go into like a depressive episode. And then there's days where I'm on like this insane high and I'm like, life is great and it's always going to be great. And I love entrepreneurship and I love doing all the things. Um, for me, it's for me. One of the things for me is that I really need to be able to feel free and have creative freedom. And that's one of the biggest things inside my job. Um, I really don't like being stagnant. I really don't like a really structured schedule, which we kind of talked about a little bit. But the other thing too, is being able to have freedom within my job and freedom to be able to exercise if I'm not feeling well, or if something's really taking me down. Um, so for example, my morning and nightly routine is massive. Um, having that time in the morning, having that time in the evening, having the freedom of being an entrepreneur that I get to hire people that get to step in when I can't or get to run the day-to-day -day so that I can continue to kind of do what I do best. Um, whether that's kind of looking at the vision for the businesses or whether that's looking at more of a strategy for business development or looking at ways that I can even increase and improve our client marketing. Um, I get that freedom and that freedom really works well for me. When, when it does happen though, I mean, there are a lot of checks and balances and my team knows, and like we, we have, my team has mental health days that they get, you know, throughout the month and things like that. Um, but there's also like transparency between me and my team where it's like, Hey, like I'm not able to function today. And like, I need you guys to step in and take care of that. And I, I try to promote that too, within our team and within the conversations of, you know, everyone has those days. Everyone has those days where you don't want to necessarily say like, 
I saw something on TV and it gave me a panic attack. And like, now I feel like I just can't even work for the rest of the day. So that's why we kind of have these mental health days in play. But I think again, like going back to the routines, going back to what I need. The other thing I need and love is my therapy and my coaching. Um, I love being able to have conversations and being able to have people reflect back to me things that are either true or not necessarily true in a really unbiased way. Um, and then also too, like just support. I think I have some of the best like scout. It's funny. Cause scouts also like one of my best friends. Um, she, she was, there. she's one of the ones that taught me honestly, a lot about my own mental health and really kind of opened that door up to, for me to understand what mental health was. Um, and so I have, I have a really strong support system, but all while doing this, like if I'm not, if I'm not having or achieving that level of either love or fun or freedom, like in my career, I break down and that's just who I am as a person. And it's more or less of like, I constantly want to be building and creating. I'm very, very ambitious. I love working. I love the kind of pull and drive and creativity that comes with business. But also I want that freedom. I want that ability to have, you know, a team and be able to manage and be able to kind of move through that and that other, you know, in those other realms as well. So yeah, my mental health mainly is me making sure that I'm really taking care of myself in order for me to show up like in my best light. So as you have brought in these other endeavors, like Get Super and Mela, and you've grown Ekis Marketing, Mm-hmm. How are you ensuring that you can continue to build and create? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing to protect that part of your business so that you can continue moving forward in this big way? I mean, you're, you are so young, you're so young. And I, I mean, I like, I mean, everyone will see your picture when we promote this, like Whitney <laughs> is young and beautiful and oh like, ha- like, but seriously, and like, you have achieved a lot in this very short period of time. And you've also taken on a lot. And when you take on a lot, that also um, takes up a lot of space in your brain and Mm -hmm. it takes up time in your life. And so what what is next? Like, what do you do to make sure that you're able to be creative and do what you want to do? Yeah. Um, Honestly, I, I have been sitting with the last couple of months of feeling, of feeling like that heaviness of taking on like a lot. Um, cause it does, it's not even like you said, it's not necessarily like taking on like just the day-to-day tasks. That's, that's so much it's, it's the mental capacity. It's the, it's that, you know, just the responsibility of knowing your roles in each one of these companies. Um, there's some things I can talk about and some things that I can't talk about, but basically where I'm sitting at right now is that this next year is meant to really set these brands up to be run and to be managed in a way where it's not taking up so much of my mental capacity. The last two years, mainly, maybe even like, honestly, kind of three, the last two or three years has been a lot of me wanting to build. And that was really my commitment to myself of being like in this mental health state, really looking at, you know, okay, I have options here. You know, I could quit tomorrow and I could leave everything and I know I'll figure it out. I know I'll come up with something or I can accept this and I can accept who I am and what I struggle with. And I know that if I want to 
be where I want to be in the next three years, I can work really, really hard and know that this is a season in my life that I'm going to really sacrifice and really put in and know that on the other side, I get to evaluate if I, what freedoms and new opportunities I have. So when it came to XS marketing, pivoting in 2020 and then scaling it. And then when it came to acquiring it super and then launching it, and even now with being Mello's fractional CMO, this has become like a season in my life. And I'm honestly kind of wrapping it up at the end of this year, which is kind of nice, but this has become like the season of my life where I got to really build. And I really got to spend those entrepreneurial hours that everyone talks about, like being in my office till 10 o'clock at night. And there was kind of this like timeline or expiration date in my head that almost kind of put me at ease because I knew like this was my period of building and I was okay with it. Now, again, I'm sitting in this position where I'm kind of like looking at everything and I'm like, you know what? I put in a shit ton of work. Like I'm, I'm kind of now like evaluating where I want to go and how I want to ease things off. But I think that that's one thing too, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, everyone's like, how do you do it all? It's like, well, it's not necessarily about how I do it all. It's that I wanted to commit to this kind of rigorous schedule and I wanted to build as much as I could because I have this idea and I kind of have this loose game plan of where I want to be in the next three to five years. And if I put it in now, I think I could get there. And so where do you want to be? Where do I want to be? Where do you want to be? And then can you say? Like you exiting my companies, (laughs) building a badass personal brand. Um, You have a badass personal brand. I mean, you do. I mean, like you do, You, you do. And you will exit your companies like when, you know, when the time comes. And I love that you said this because I always felt that with Bump Club that I was putting in a lot of time and, you know, and I made a lot of sacrifice. Like, yeah, my mom friends would like be going for drinks or whatever. And I would be at home working and and I was okay with it, you know, and I I went for drinks too. Don't get me wrong, but like not as much, you know, and you know, and, and now I feel like I'm able to do what I want to do personally. And like, Mm -hmm. because I put in the time and, and, and I, and I think too, I I'm also really glad that you're saying this and I don't want to necessarily get into like this conversation, but I do find that and scout and I've had this conversation actually that Mm -hmm. like your generation sometimes mm-hmm. doesn't think they have to put in the time. Yeah. Really. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I come from a place where I out of college worked in corporate America for, and I would be at my desk until 9 PM putting in the time to get promoted. And I did, and I made six figures before I exited that company and <sighs> left my corporate job. I was the youngest account executive on the floor. And so I think that you admitting and saying that you're putting in the time is also a really good example for your peers because mm-hmm. nothing happens without putting in the time. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think I, you know, again, and I, I trust me, I have, I have a lot of feedback. I get a lot of unsolicited feedback and I get a lot of feedback, you know, that I'm asking for. And I think too, when I talk about my mental health, I think it's really hard because I think that the natural response to mental health is to really kind of lay low and to not do much. And I think, again, this week talk about Scout and, you know, the emotional entrepreneur and everything that she's doing. And there's an element to that. 
But I also think that too, when I look at my life and like, I look at what I want, I have such a clear, strong vision and I'm okay because I know when I'm building, I could build that for 10 hours a day and that's okay. Like, yeah, just work is, can have its annoying frustrations and the times where we lose sleep and the times where we have the panic attacks and we feel cathartic and we, you know, things like that. But there's also this element of like, I don't, I won't give up until I'm there. And I, and you don't feel that unless you're in that position of building and you know, that's all you got is on you and you're kind of betting on your own resource. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think when we look at this generation too, there's so many factors, right? Like there's so many factors now where it's like, you could create a TikTok and go viral in six months. And then you're pulling in 10 K a month, you know, or whatever it is, or brand deals or whatever. And that isn't, that is, that's an opportunity, but it's not a surefire thing. And it's also a bubble that could really quickly pop. And so I think there's no backup there. There's no backup. I also, I mean, my, my dad and my grandpa were both entrepreneurs and they come from a super, super blue collar old school business. I mean, they worked in, they worked in automotive for the last, I think our business is now like 77 years old. Wow. And yeah. And seeing them and seeing the life that they built, you know, there's a difference between like grinding and working until you, you know, your, your head's in the ground and you hate your life. But then there's also this, there's also this work where it's like, you're working smart, you're putting in the hours, you're building what you want to build, and you're never giving up on it because you you have this vision or you have this game plan. And again, like I, I haven't exited my companies yet. I don't know what's in store for next year, but I know where I want to go. And I know that I'm kind of slowly chipping away at each of these businesses in order to get it to where I wanted to get it. So as someone who has built a business, acquired and rebuilt a business, and also you have taken on this position in another business mm -hmm. as fractional CMO. What are three actionable things that you would tell a female founder who's getting started? First things first, um, I'm all for diving in. I'm all for doing it. I'm all for getting started, but do your research, like do all the research. It was really interesting when I acquired a hemp CBD product. And then I quickly realized I have a lot of regulations and red tape to go around for marketing. Um, and I kind of naively was like, well, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something creative and I'll figure it out. But when it comes to scaling, that's a really big thing, especially when it has to do with the FDA and legislation and everything around, you know, marijuana and drugs and all that fun stuff. So do your research. There's nothing wrong with diving in, but do your research when it comes to making that move. And I think a lot of times too, I talk with a lot of females that have a career, but that are also wanting to do their own thing. And they're not quite sure where that jump off point is. And my biggest piece of advice is looking at what kind of life you want to live when you go to jump off that point, because you could jump off at any time and you could do it at any time, but do you want to be eating top ramen and struggling and being super scared 24 seven? Or do you want to have enough, you know, incoming or whatever it is where it's like, you feel comfortable and you know that you could hire, you know that you could figure it out. So I'd say do your research, definitely look into whatever you're going into. Um, my second one is a people pleasing one. And this is one that I've had to learn over the last couple of years, but is really standing firm in your boundaries. Um, I've had so many 
different clients and negotiations and people that will tell me I am worth the moon, the stars, the sky, and then immediately undermine whatever deal or whatever price point that I'm asking for. And sometimes the best way to get a deal is to say no. And that took so much. And I told you, I kind of struggled with that fraud mentality in the beginning. But when I went through that negotiation, when I, as I've learned over the years of negotiating and when to say yes, and when to say no, and when to be flexible on my boundaries, but when to be firm, the best thing, the best way to learn that is to actually just be firm on your boundaries from the get-go and then evaluate the deal as it goes on. Um, and I think that also sets you up for success in whatever business that you're doing, because it's also going to showcase that you don't get to be messed around with people have respect for, you know, you respect yourself enough to say no, and that will show that people have respect for you. And that also too, like now you're putting the power back into your hands. Cause now you get to negotiate whatever the deal is. The last one I think is, I mean, I think I'm going through what you've probably gone through in the past. And that is, you know, how to hire people that are better at better better at a task than you are and how to know that when you make that hire it's not just you're spending money on someone but you're actually investing for something to be scaled more um that was a huge learning for me and my team but now as I'm even looking at financially and where I want to go for the future it's something where I'm like I look at people and I look at them as this incredible investment. And I look at the ways in which they're actually going to grow and make more money for whatever said business it is. Whitney Ackes, serial entrepreneur. I wish I knew you when I was starting Bump Club because <laughs> I learned a lot in this conversation. And I think that your outlook on everything is very refreshing. And I know that our listeners have a lot to learn from you. So where can people find you? You guys can find me, my personal journey, just at Whitney Eckes. Um, you can follow the agency at Eckes Marketing, which is just my last name. Get Super at Get Super and Get Super spelled G-E-T-S-U-P-R. And then listen to the podcast because Lindsay's on the podcast too. It's Under the Influence Podcast with Whitney Eckes. Thank you so much, Whitney. It was so great having you on Dear Founder. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. This was awesome. Even though Whitney has her hands in so many things and she has so much going on, I really admire her ability to take care of herself and to take care of her mental health and to know her limits. And that is something that I really hope that you take away from today's conversation without me putting it in today's takeaways. But as you know, I do share my top five takeaways from every episode at the end, and I'm going to do so in a minute. But if you want all the takeaways from today's episode, make sure that you subscribe to my email newsletter where I will send them to you every single week, as well as a tip to help you grow your business. So for now, get out your pen and paper. You're going to want to write these down. Number one, building a business by proving your concept is really the way to go. Whitney put herself on the map through an event she built where she showcased what she was able to do. That was her own marketing vehicle. Number two, set boundaries on your calendar and stick to them. Number three, delegate tasks that you're not good at so that you're able to focus on the things that you're best at. Number four, when talking to potential clients, ask the what do you need versus sharing what you offer. So ask them what it is that they need and meet the potential clients there by showcasing how you can help them in their business. 
And number five, invest into your company to build case studies, gather proofs of concept so that you can use those situations to build and grow your business. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Whitney Eckes, for joining me on Dear Founder. And again, if you like what you're hearing here on the, on the podcast, please make sure that you scroll all the way down on your phone and click that five-star rating or leave a review. Or you can go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Founder and leave a review wherever it is that you listen. You have no idea how much that means to us. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.